0: And B Frank show. For the first time this season, we are going to start with college basketball because we have gotten to that time of year. And I think it's appropriate um, since you were out there uh, last week. And it was also an especially big week that we start talking this show about the Seton Hall Pirates and what a week they just had knocking off both Texas and Rutger.
1: Yes, uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts about both games. I was in the building for the Texas game. Incredible atmosphere, great game overall. Felt like a Sweet 16 game, to be honest with you, and that is that is a credit to both teams, I think. Um, Trey Mitchell is really good for, for people who may not know the name or even remember. He was at UMass, transferred in, as seemingly this entire roster for Texas has, uh, to Austin and was just Dynamite from the mid-range all the way up to attacking the basket. Had a couple of nice rebounds, passes. Uh, really did a little bit of everything for this team. The bigs were were key. The guard play was not great, but they still are talented guards with Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, um, and uh, why can I not remember Marcus Carr? <laughs> there we go. Um, but but they they play a, a fun style. Classic Chris Beard. Great defensive team. Um, Really back and forward game. And, and when it came down to it, guys like Jared Roden were able to get the mid range going. And uh, Alexis Yetna had probably his best game as a seat in all pirate. Tyree Samuel played a phenomenal role with Iko Biagu going down. And all in all, it was just a, a fun game. And of course, you've got Bryce Aiken pulling up from like 32 feet to try and bury teams all weekend long.
0: Bryce Aiken certainly not afraid to shoot. I think that's uh, the big takeaway. But, uh, Yeah, I I think Yetna is a good call out too. Um, He highly regarded um, transfer when he came over from South Florida, being able to put up a double double against the front line of not only Trey Mitchell, but Timmy Allen, another uh, transfer from Utah, was was very impressive. And I mean, I feel like Roden's just kind of been the guy all year. Um, I know there has certainly been more star power in Seton Hall. in years past, than there might be necessarily on this particular roster, but uh, I mean, how how are we feeling overall? This kind of where you you thought the team could be at this point, or is this uh, exceeding your most optimistic expectations?
1: Yeah, I think it's exceeding expectations because if you if you asked me preseason, and and I had been asked this a few times, the three big or, yeah the three big games on the schedule basically were Michigan. Ohio State, and then obviously you had pending Florida if they had beaten Ohio State, and then Texas. And the most optimistic version of me had said two and three is you sign up for that any day of the week, like you take it no matter what, doesn't matter what version it comes in, or really what happens the rest of the um, rest of the non-conference, because in that you've got two minimum top 20 wins, maybe top 25 wins at worst. Um, and, and so now to be At this spot with just the one loss to Ohio State wins over Michigan, which probably which obviously isn't aging well, but still is a win on the road at number five at the time. And then another top 10 win against Texas uh, is really good. And you'll notice I have not mentioned Rutger yet. And that's because this this was a quad four game like this. This had been talked about ad nauseum among the New Jersey fans, um, both for Seton Hall and Rutgers. But this game is a lose lose for Seton Hall. It's a rivalry game for sure, but it's a lose-lose at this point. The only reason it had built up a little more is because of the fact that Rutger was able to knock off Purdue on an absolute miracle of a shot by Ron Harper Jr. Um, So they get a win over number one, and that that adds much more juice to the game than there was before. But these two teams aren't even on the same, not even close to the same level of of talent and and play right now. and two go into this game knowing there's all that extra juice this is their biggest game of the year essentially um, and to win it by double digits and and cover the spread as some folks might like to know as well uh, was just a testament and a, a huge crowning achievement but the seems super balanced I think that's the key you said like a lot of star power uh, in years past they've had multiple player of the years come through and now it, it's if one guy's down, someone else is going to pick him up. I mean, Kadari Richmond hasn't even scratched the surface of how good he can be. And he was phenomenal in the first half against Rutgers, really keeping them in it, driving, and attacking the, the rim. Yeah. And even as you mentioned, the, the one
0: loss, the last second to Ohio State, um, you know, that wasn't anything to be upset about um, at the time, but it's only aged better. Like Ohio State's another team yeah. has a, a big winner this week. They throttled Wisconsin in the second half, mm-hmm. uh, and they might be playing the best out of everyone in the Big Ten now that Purdue has fallen off a little bit. Probably between Ohio State and Michigan State right now, but mm-hmm. um, still no Seth Towns all year. Justice Sewing hasn't played in over a month, and the offense is still rolling. EJ Liddell showing why he's one of the best players in the Big Ten as well as nationally. Um, and they are, uh, despite having that star power, they are still incredibly well balanced, and mm-hmm. they're only going to get better over the second half of the season as as more guys get healthy and get back into the the fold. So, Seton Hall, their only loss so far in that manner. I mean, gotta, I'd be feeling pretty good about myself.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I uh, I'm confident, and that's why I'm afraid because Iona is a, a scary team to play on a neutral court
0: yeah they uh, Iona's looked pretty pretty sharp so far this year. Um, another team, I mean they' they're the only team to beat Alabama so far. Um, but positive spin, Alabama, another team had as a winner last week. Um, mm-hmm. had not played since they had an impressive win over Gonzaga, their one game last week. Another impressive, albeit slightly controversial at the end. Win over uh, top 15 Houston team, and um, that was another Final Four team a year ago. Um, again, when Alabama's clicking offensively, they look really, really good. And yeah, you know, to, to break 80 against Houston is no small feat. I think ever since Samson's been there, they've consistently went been one of the best defensive uh, teams in the country. I think this year they're top five. Um, but Alabama able to get production, not just from the perimeter, but from its big men as well, and um, able to just do enough at the end. I don't think it was a goaltend. I can see how there was uh, certainly some frustration, but uh, either way, getting out of there with a win is uh, definitely deserving of being one of the winners of the week.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It was that I mean that game too. That's another one you can chalk up as a second weekend second weekend plus type game. That was a ton of fun and uh yeah, like you said, when Alabama's hitting and they really didn't even shoot it that well from 3. I say that a little hesitantly, but like 38.9%, they're not necessarily on. 52% from the floor, of course, they're shooting the ball well. Um out-rebounded by 9 minus 3 in the turnover battle and they still get the win. Those those are things that most teams cannot do against a team as good as Houston. Specifically how good they are defensively and come away with a win, but Alabama is one of those teams and that's why they've been so impressive to start this year. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is for sure and I don't know there's there's already some some rumblings about um you know Either of the SEC coaches in Alabama, really, Nate Oates or Bruce Pearl, um, going to Maryland. I'm sure that's only going to grow louder as the uh, the season wears on, and, and both those teams continue to have success. Which, yep. sorry if you're listening, you like either of those programs. It's just the the nature of the business at this point.
1: Yeah, I need them to keep succeeding because it keeps the the talk of Kevin Willard to uh, Maryland down, which I don't think they would love that higher.
0: It's another guy. It's it's possible. It's not that neck of the woods, but I think also got a pretty good thing going right now at uh, at Seton Hall, so I don't know. Uh, Who else do you have last week's winners?
1: I'm going to throw Baylor out there. They absolutely pulled apart Villanova. um, and I think this is kind of a double-edged sword because I also have Villanova in my loser column for more of how they've played throughout the non-conference thus far than just this game. But this game really was a microcosm of how they played against the top teams. And Granted, they've, they've scheduled tough, but when you are a team that has been pit, pitted as one of like the premier teams in the country, national title threats, you can't, you can't go one and three in these games. But back to Baylor, defensive identity is still there. They look so strong all over the floor. James Akinjo is truly bought into this system. That they're playing over at Baylor, 16.7 rebounds, five assists in this game. Uh, Flagler also had double digit points with five assists. Like, neither team shot the ball well in this game. For whatever reason, all these MTEs happening in the New York area had horrific shooting all weekend long. But, they, I mean, this was truly a game of the haves and the have nots, and Villanova did not have it. 12 made field goals on the night. Uh, not going to get it done after an especially poor shooting performance against Syracuse earlier in the week as well. Yeah, Baylor recognizing if you
0: win this game, new number one, and they took all doubt out of the equation and just completely yeah. suffocated Villanova. And yeah, it's it's kind of it's so a, a weird thing to to look at Villanova, and try to evaluate them in the non-conference like. Comfortable eighteen point win over Tennessee looks great, um, but the record overall does not look great seven and three. But three losses are to all top four teams. So right, it's been a difficult schedule. Um, it's one of those things where you you would like to see at least one win in there, but at the end of the day, Villanova is still a top ten team, probably will remain there for much of the season. But I think also worth mentioning, it'll be a little more difficult than we anticipated because the Big East looks a whole heck of a lot better than we thought it would in the preseason.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'll save this take, the expanded part of this take until we get there, but I don't think Villanova's the best team in the Big East.
0: Okay. They might not be. Um, But I, I think Baylor right now very clearly Best team yeah. in the country, and yeah, it's it started the defensive side of the ball. Um, they were very good at it last year, but they did lose quite a bit from that national championship-winning team. Wouldn't necessarily looking... believe that so far the way they're playing. Yeah,
1: no doubt. And and looking at it, like I am super excited for the start of their uh, Big Twelve schedule because they're on the road at Iowa State. They get Oklahoma, who's been playing really well, and another team that I had in the winner category. And then they've got Texas Tech coming up too. Like that's three really strong games to start the season. And then you've got Kansas double dipping on the back end in February. So should be really fun. Big twelve again has been really good or is really good. And uh should be super competitive. Yeah. Big twelve has been great. Probably a
0: best uh best conference so far. Um yeah. Top to bottom. Um top the SEC, also very good. Yes. Can confirm. Um, I'll throw Iowa State out there, keep it in the the big twelve Again, mm-hmm. uh twenty point win over Iowa. That's always going to make people happy. but Iowa State's defense has just been phenomenal uh, throughout the season early on, and scoring the ball is somewhere where Iowa has never struggled. They did mightily in this game. Uh, only were able to shoot 27% from the floor. Isaiah Brockington continues to play at a very high level, both sides of the ball. But, I mean, for the Cyclones, it's just started with uh, Bayern defensively. They've got quite a few impressive wins under their belt so far. And as long as they keep defending at this high level, they're able to overcome uh, some perceived issues with lack of star power, where's the offense going to come from? If you're able to shoot, uh, shut down a team as skilled offensively as Iowa, you're going to have a great shot at winning every time you step out on the court.
1: Yeah, I mean, they held Keegan Murray to nine points. I That's got to be the first time this season he's been held to single digits, so credit to the defense. They're 11th in the country in Ken Palm defensively. Offense, like we mentioned, is sometimes a problem for them, as we saw in the absolute barn burner of a 47-37 win over Jackson State on Sunday, but like you said, stop the other team from scoring and it makes your life a whole heck of a lot easier. Baylor saw that. Other teams throughout the year have uh, have abided by that rule and, and they'll find wins, but like you said, they've got a couple wins that are aging very well. Xavier has been playing phenomenal basketball through the early part of the season. Creighton just picked up a huge win over BYU in South Dakota over the weekend, so that those two wins carry, even if the win over Memphis looks significantly less good than it did uh, a couple weeks ago, that that still carries. And uh, obviously, the voters have rewarded them as they are all the way up to number eleven in the polls. But figure out the offense, and this is going to be a very scary Iowa State team. It's an intriguing
0: rivalry game this year because the the rosters are basically polar opposites. Like Iowa every year yeah. can score, they can't defend. Iowa State can defend; scoring can be a challenge. They're at least able to convert defense to offense, um, so that helps a little bit. But kind right. of j- jarring splits as um, you look at right now, and I wonder if that will come back to bite them at some point. Um, but it's easier to get defense to travel, so that I think will will help them over the course of a what's going to be a, a physically demanding and challenging Big Twelve slate this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned Xavier. I, I do have Xavier on here, too, because uh, they are playing at a very high level right now. They just have owned Cincinnati in recent years, win this one by 20. Former mm-hmm. Iowa favorite, Jack Nungy, 31 and 15 in that game. Uh, a little bit of a coming out party for him. But uh, Xavier is another team that's, you know, they are back in the top 25 out of the Big East. Um, Along with you know Seton Hall, UConn, and of course Villanova, just another team that on its best day looked like they have a chance to to challenge for a conference title.
1: Yeah, they do. They've got some great wins as well: Ohio State, uh, Virginia Tech, which will remain to be a good win throughout the year, and Oklahoma State, which is kind of teetering, but I I still think it's a good one. It was a road game, so that counts. That travels, Um, and then obviously Cincinnati. Has been playing really well under uh, West Miller in year one, but yeah, like this is a very intriguing Xavier team. They're they're quietly leading the nation in quad one wins. They've got some really interesting pieces with Nate Johnson, Jack Nungee, Colby Jones, Paul Scruggs. Like there there are a number of guys, and they're even missing their best player. Like Zach Fremantle has barely played this season, and he is their leader. So when they get him back at full strength. I am worried. I think it's the best way to put it as a, uh, a fan of a school in the Big East as well, but really fun to watch. Defensively, they've looked very sound. Um, offense can get a little iffy at time to time, I guess is uh, is the way to say it, but they are playing at nearly a top 25 level offensively, so they just like to uh, push the ball and get it going. So Xavier, team to watch, no doubt. Um, and if they continue to score I you know I think they're averaging like 75 points a game right now. If they continue to score over 70, they're going to have a winning record at minimum in the big east.
0: I would agree with that 100 um, percent A couple more quick shout outs for me. Um, Colorado state's in the top 25 yep. we are able to hold off Mississippi State stay uh, undefeated at 10 and0 also have, Top 50 wins over St. Mary's and Creighton, um, and then LSU, uh, my my one sleeper that is looking somewhat smart so far. As mentioned, Maryland and Notre Dame have not always been great, but uh, also undefeated. Big second half comeback to knock off Georgia Tech, and they're another team that play an extremely strong defense. Uh, third on Ken Palm, and first nationally in uh, defensive field goal percentage, so Will Wade's got the boys locked in, um, and another one of many talented teams near the top of the SEC. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a tough life to be in the SEC, specifically. Uh, if you're a team that does not look to be competing with that group, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I'm going to give DePaul a shout-out. The Demons have played well through the early part, 8-1. and one. We've seen this before, though. Don't don't get too ahead of it. They've got a win over Rutger, which really doesn't carry any weight at this point because it's a Q4 win. And a win on the road at Louisville this weekend. But the real story to me, David Jones has been unbelievable for this team. He uh, is averaging 17.7 points, 8.2 rebounds, and two assists as a sophomore. Um, went for I had this numbers right here. He went for 33 points, 14 rebounds against Louisville this past weekend in a huge win. Has also gone for 23 and 17 earlier this year. Uh, He's a nightmare. Add Javon Freeman-Liberty when he's hitting, and DePaul looks like a very tough team. They attack the glass really well, score the ball a ton, averaging 82 points a game. Uh, They just need to lock in better and and just get more efficient on the offensive and defensive end because they do have – some issues with turnovers, but don't get too jump shot happy and keep attacking the rim. And DePaul's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, I think maybe not the worst team in the Big East this year. Um, yeah. I, I think there's there's some competition between you know maybe maybe Georgetown, maybe Butler, um, but yeah, it's uh, it it speaks to the depth of the Big East that DePaul has had. A great uh, non conference slate this year, but I also kind of feel for DePaul a little bit. Like most other teams in the Big East look better than we thought they would be. So ultimately, yeah. how much ground have they made up so far?
1: Right, right. There's only so much space to climb when everyone else is moving up. Right. Uh, but at least this is
0: uh, a, a strong opening start to the season uh, for Tony Stubblefield. So I guess hope for the future as well for uh, the Blue Demons. Mm -hmm. Long list of winners this week. Yeah, uh, It feels good to give back a little bit. Um, Now we can go back (laughs) to turning heel. Uh, Who's your uh, biggest loser of the week?
1: Uh, It's got to be Purdue. First time in school history you get the number one ranking. You go to Rutgers, blow a double-digit lead. Uh, Can't even really score in the last few minutes of the game finally get the bucket at the end to go ahead and then give up a half-court shot to lose. Um, this game should have been over with about eight minutes left, and they let left the door open, did not finish the job. Um, and this is not a good Rutgers team, plain and simple. Geo Baker is a shell of what he used to be. Ron Harper is really all they've got. Caleb McConnell's been playing pretty well. Cliff Amorier has been all right, but like, there, there's just not enough there. Andre Hyatt, the transfer from LSU, really doesn't give you enough. Um, yeah, I'm I really unimpressed with this Rutgers team so far, but for Purdue to lose to them, cre- you know, credit to Rutgers for fighting back. But at the same time, if you're the number one team in the country, like Purdue had shown up to that point, this should have been a 20-plus point game. To the point where I texted you saying, there's no way Purdue can lose this game, right? There's absolutely no way. You did. uh,
0: But I did end up betting on Rutger and was rewarded. But um, credit to you. Yeah, I think more than anything, it just speaks to um, the fact that it's been a year and a half since most teams have played in a hostile environment. Uh, This was the first true road game for Purdue this year. On paper, unquestionably better team, not even close. Um, And we were talking on the show last week about. You know how long could it potentially be before we see Purdue get challenged, let alone even lose a game? Um, and I mean, really, they should have lost both games this week. They were really on the ropes against yeah. NC State. I guess kind of evening out because they they blew a double digit lead against Rutger. NC State blew a, a lead against Purdue um, before Purdue won in overtime. But yeah, yeah, they uh, they did not look good this week at all. And I mean, it again just just speaks to how difficult it is to when on the road, especially in conference play, and, you know, you have to, especially when you are a highly ranked team, you have to bring it every night because you are going to get every program's
1: absolute best shot. Yeah, and I, I'm i almost curious, like, does this still speak to the, the the problem, I guess, from the past couple years pre-COVID of, like, can, can Purdue win on the road? Like, do we need to continue to worry about this? Because it they did not look like the same team they have throughout the entire early part of the season. Both in their game at Rutgers and then in I think Barclays Center, wherever they played NC State, they did not look that good. I will I will lend some credence to the thought of
0: uh, true road games, but they were able to uh, get a couple wins um, against. Mm-hmm. What was it Villanova and North Carolina? Yeah, um, the neutral site earlier in the year looked pretty impressive doing that, um, but I think just road environments, everyone's still kind of feeling that out. Um, and you, I mean, you're seeing too many winnable games being lost, um, seemingly as a product of that environment, or you know, teams struggling to put other teams away, um, mm-hmm. or just. Not able to flex their muscle and, and really take advantage of of mismatches or or teams that they should be better than, but right, it'll presumably grow less pronounced as teams play more and more, and we get later in the season. Um, but I think it's it's certainly going to be more difficult to win on the road than it was last year. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll throw Arkansas out there. They had been undefeated, um, hadn't really been moving up much in the polls. There were a lot of questions about Arkansas schedule to this point, and they did absolutely nothing to uh, quiet those concerns in their first real test of the year. Get blown out uh, by Porter Moser and Oklahoma losing by 22. and Kind of feels like back to the drawing board a little bit. I'm not. I'm not panicking about Arkansas at all. Uh, I think they're a very good team and will be in that group near the top of the SEC. But, I mean, this is a game you have to get up for to prove the haters wrong, and just added more fuel to the fire. If anything,
1: yeah, I think that you nailed it right there. Like the most fight shown was Eric Musselman against his own staff. <laughs> like that yeah. was it. That the team just came out so flat and. Credit to Oklahoma. They use the crowd. They hit what 55% from the field, 59 from three, and 19 of 22 from the free throw line. You're not losing when you're doing that, and you're more often than not winning by double digits. And that's exactly what they did here. Um, even losing the turnover battle, uh, that's that's going to be Arkansas's bread and butter, though. So at least that's going for them. Like 24 points off 15 turnovers, you're going to take that 10 times out of 10 if you're Arkansas. Shots will fall. I'm not worried about them, but the concerning thing is that they just did not show up. Yeah. Yeah. And I
0: mean another another strong like Oklahoma is a good team. They're again, like pretty much everyone in the Big Twelve is solid this year. Like, yeah. Even you know, a team it like Kansas State has shown fight against good opponents. TCU's eight and one. Um, and you could argue those might be the two worst teams. Um so yeah. it's it's gonna be a long season for everyone in that conference. So it's it's good if you're Oklahoma to flex your muscle in the non conference against major conference opponents. They've been able to do a couple times. Um Florida, another big example, but mm-hmm. yeah. If you're Arkansas, you gotta like worst case make this
1: competitive. Right. And for on the Oklahoma side too, balanced scoring attack, all five starters and double double figures in this game, like everyone brought it. So it was Good to see that for them and like you said, show up. That's all Arkansas really needed to do in this one.
0: Uh keeping it in the SEC this week for me, honestly. Uh I mean I, I think the top of that conference is as good as as anyone, but you had Arkansas dropping this game and then you had a couple more teams dropping games to teams we had mentioned before that are absolutely reeling. First off, Florida to Maryland. Uh, Interim Mm -hmm. coach Danny Manning. Florida has fallen off a cliff after we were singing their praises early in the season. Um, They have quickly become a mainstay on this part of the show.
1: Yeah. uh, The offense is just not the same. I don't know what's going on, but they're just not running the same sort of action that they were previously. And it is really killing them. Good for Danny Manning to get that, you know, Marquee victory as the interim head coach that you can point to and say this is why I should get this job, but this is more on Florida than it is Maryland, and I don't think that's saying a lot. But man, oh man, do the Gators need to find something back from um, three weeks ago to to get their team going again?
0: Yeah, in this game they just didn't have any answer for uh, Maryland on the perimeter. Cutis Wahab had one point. Like, yeah, I don't the <laughs> like. You mentioned before, Castleton probably wins that matchup, but to do so in such dominating fashion and, and still kind of let uh, the terrapins run wild on the perimeter is not great and, and not a lot of pressure just being put on them offensively. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a frustrating up and down year for Florida. Certainly, it's been down recently. This was really a game of someone has to win, um, and like. Unfortunately for Florida, it was Maryland. Um, it's been a, a very rough stretch for the Gators, and they've got a couple opportunities the next three games. I would I would label as must win, certainly the next two. The knockoff South Florida and Stony Brook before you start SEC play against Ole Miss. And I think if you don't want to quickly get lost in the shuffle, you have to beat Ole Miss as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And Ole Miss just Struggled this past week as well, um, losing to Western Kentucky by 23. And Western Kentucky's talented, but I don't know that they're, you know, Ole Miss should not probably not be losing this game by 23 points. So I I think those next three are must win because the three after that are terrifying with right. Alabama at Auburn and then LSU. Exactly. And uh, my
0: last SEC team is uh, Kentucky. Yeah, Notre Dame's really struggling um, to to really do anything, and I mean Kentucky just couldn't hit anything. Two for nineteen from three in that game. Kellen Grady is the only guy on the roster to actually hit a three pointer, and Notre Dame is not a good defensive team. They have not been all year. Um, A lot of it is just missing open shots. Um, Ty Ty Washington not necessarily being assertive, but I I did like this Notre Dame lineup. I like uh, Goodwin starting, Prentice Hub coming in off the bench. He just hasn't been effective this year. But uh, I mean, Kentucky couldn't stop Blake Wesley certainly at the end. And now, Kentucky's overall resume, I think people have started to call into question a little bit more, um, kind of getting a, a pass for the initial loss uh, as well. They should, because Duke. Dukes looked pretty good this year. What's their best win?
1: Mm, it's it's I'm hard it's hard Ohio.
0: to it's hard to glance at it and immediately say they've got a, a couple MAC wins over uh, Ohio and Central Michigan. Um, I don't know if they have a uh, a top hundred win yet so far because Ohio's just outside it, and uh, in Ken is what I'm going off of. But they're they're 105. That might be that might be the peak so far. To their credit, they've been blowing just about everybody out, but their two games against power six opponents, they've lost. Um like Chibwe has been a monster on the inside. Um yeah. one of the best big men in the entire country. Fourteen point four rebounds per game is is just silly. Um, but I think the the guard play can be letting Kentucky down at times wheeler did not play well in this game Washington as I said was not as assertive Grady was still only two for seven from three um and you gotta gotta get production out of those guys um, to you know compete with a team like Notre Dame that likes to get up and down and uh score points they were able to defend Notre Dame pretty well um, but just unable to score enough to win and that's like that can't be why you lose to Notre Dame, right? Like, typically they just outscore you, but that was that was certainly not the case on Saturday.
1: Yeah, and to take your point even further, um, Kentucky is seven and zero at home, zero and two on road and neutral floors, zero and one in Quad One games, zero and two or zero and zero in Quad Two, one and one in Quad Three, and six and zero in Quad Four. So really, uh, a gauntlet there for Cal and his boys. Yeah, so Ohio there's gotta be clearly the
0: the best one. And yeah, that like that was a quad three game at Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame has not been playing well. Um uh, but yeah. this this could potentially be the lightning rod um their season, but I don't know. You you hate to be the team that, that gives them that momentum. Right. Uh that is actually all I have for losers. anybody else?
1: Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, Syracuse. Yeah. Syracuse, uh, old Big East battles, Villanova, really don't show up. The Bayheim brothers really struggled in that game, and if that is your offense, God help you, because that is troubling. Um, 67-53 was the final. Uh, Jimmy actually did play well in that game. I'll give him credit, 21 points on 10 of 19 shooting. Buddy, 3 of 15 for 6 points. Uh, I just, I don't get what they do as a program. I don't get their offense. I, the defense is, and I know I say this every year, but it's a 2-3 zone that is so easy to figure out. And then, of course, they're somehow going to get in the NCAA tournament, make a sweet 16 run, and I'm going to want to just hate everything. But they lose that game, fine. Villanova's a good team, What, no big deal. Head to Georgetown, lose 79-75 to a very just plainly not good Georgetown team. Um, all starters were in double figures, but nobody shot the ball really well. Jesse Edwards was 6 of 7 and that was it, and he didn't get a touch really inside the last 6 minutes of this game. It was all the Bayheims and Joe Girard who had just some outrageously bad turnovers in this game. Um, so, loss to Villanova isn't terrible. Georgetown, that's Pretty inexcusable if you're Syracuse and you expect to a compete in the ACC, b be an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, and I,
0: I don't know. I just I, I don't, I just don't think this Syracuse team is is very good um, for what they want to do. Like this, this to me does not seem like a. A roster where you can, you know, play the two three. I, I think realistically, yeah. realistically, you're you're probably going to be um, cooked no matter what defensive scheme you try. But mm-hmm. like all of these guys are minus defenders. Like both Behams, Gerard, uh, Jesse Edwards are all minus defenders, and. I don't know when when I picture like effective Syracuse zones, you have a guy like Michael Carter Williams at the top, um, just yep. a ton of length, athleticism, ability to close out on guys all over the court. So you, you like there are obvious plays to beat a zone, just get the ball to the middle of the court. But with Syracuse' typical length, like that's just a non-starter. Like it's so much easier said than done. Um, this this zone is so porous uh, this year. They are built around what they want to do offensively, with seemingly no thought to the defensive side of the floor. And they're going to score a lot of points. They've got great shooters, um, but they're all minus defenders. So, I mean, you, you're just going to have to try to win every game, one and
1: Yeah, in Georgetown, if, if Georgetown could hit a three, they would have won this game by twenty. But Aminu Muhammad was so good at the top of the top of the key, really. Um, in that zone, just finding the middle, finding the soft spot, getting it and going to work. He was dominant, killed him on the glass too. They really don't have a rebounder anywhere in sight. Like Jesse Edwards can block shots, but I don't think he is really a guy that you can look at and say, yeah, he, you know, he's going to alter how my team plays. Like I'm just going to attack because if he gets in foul trouble, it's over. And he's not really going to, you know, affect too many opportunities for my team driving. Exactly,
0: and yeah, I mean it's they they are fortunate that they are playing in the ACC. So this could very well be a team that wins, you know, ten or eleven conference games, and then is right back in the conversation. Um, but they're You're going to have they're going to have to. I I don't I I think this team is too flawed. But if they do that, yeah. they are just going to have to try to outscore everyone they play, and, and just gonna be a turnstile on defense.
1: Yes, no doubt about it. Um, Additionally, I have Florida State. They have been mightily disappointing throughout. They lost to South Carolina this past weekend, and South Carolina is fine, I think is the nicest way to put it. They're okay. They're not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, and especially Florida State, who is expecting to compete at the top end of the ACC. Like, you need to win this game. They've now lost three in a row. Uh, absolutely blown out by Purdue, lose by three to Syracuse and now this one-point loss at South Carolina. They've got to figure it out and they've got to figure it out quick. They've got a tough game against UCF coming up and then at BC, at NC State, at Wake Forest can't lose any of those. and I think NC State could give them troubles because Darion Seabron has been been amazing so far this year.
0: I think it's officially time to press the panic button. Because this is, yeah, this is three in a row. Um, the last two, especially, like readers just talked about. Um, I mean, the the concern is obviously offensive because we just talked about how bad Syracuse is defensively, and Florida State scored sixty points. Um, that that cannot happen yep. with this iteration of the Orange. Um, and blowing a sixteen point lead, I think, generously, I could say South Carolina is a bottom four SEC team. Um, so those are. Those are two pretty bad losses. You you can almost ignore the other ones. You know, playing at Florida at the time, Florida was playing extremely well, and at Purdue, Purdue was playing clearly right. better than everyone. Um, but now you're running out of opportunities to uh, pad your resume in the non-conference. If you even want to be in the at-large conversation, you have you have to win out uh, the last three. But that UCF game you mentioned is. Very, very important uh, to put forth an impression impressive showing there, um, and it's Caleb Mills needs to get a little bit more help offensively. um It's been a little bit of Malik Osborne on the inside, but other than that, kind of consistent secondary tertiary scoring options have been uh, harder to come by, so i mean if if Mills doesn't come to the program, really really would be worried about uh, the state of this team.
1: Yeah, they have just those two guys, Mills and Malik Osborne, are the only two double figure scorers per game right now. Uh, Matthew Cleveland, who comes off the bench scoring nine point two points, and like that is their next highest scorer.
0: Yeah, so I mean they're they're just going to continue to, to ratchet up the pressure as Ham likes to do and, and try to force teams into turning the ball over, create an easier offense that way. But again, yeah. if you're like clearly not doing that enough, really struggling against teams when they are able to um set up their half court defense, it's uh definitely concerning. I would I would be panicking right now yeah. for to state.
1: Absolutely. I already mentioned Villanova, but just like not showing, not really showing up against Baylor. Granted, Baylor's a good defensive team. And then shooting 51 threes against Syracuse is just inexcusable. You've got guys that can and should be able to penetrate that zone, get in the middle. Like Justin Moore or Jermaine Samuels should be dominating this. Hell, even Slater should be in there. Like there are three to four guys on this Villanova team that you can place right in the middle of that zone, and they should be dominating Syracuse. Time and time again, they there's no need to shoot 51 threes like that. It 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 reeks of a team that has no confidence offensively.
0: Yeah, I mean the like the main point of the zone is just to force teams to take as many contested threes as possible. So it is uh, not recommended to play directly into that. Um, yeah, yeah, just work the ball inside and. It's it's extremely vulnerable. Like again, the the only reason you should be losing to Syracuse this year is if they hit like twelve to 15 threes Um yeah. themselves. But yeah, it's I mean it's I in a in a normal year I can understand struggling with it, um, because you know, it's it's usually built to crush other teams' wills to live. Uh but this year it's just we're throwing five guys out there in a zone defensively. Uh just See what you can do. Um, yeah. so it's, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not intimidating at all. So I, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like the strategy of just settling for so many jump shots. Um, but
1: Philanova disagreed. Hey, that's why Jay Wright's a Hall of Famer, and I'm not <laughs> though, right?
0: A couple of natties. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um,
0: yeah. That's so all I have. The uh, the onus will certainly be on Villanova to make some statements against the Xavier's, Seton Hall's um, of the world once they get into uh, Con- UConn as well, once they get into Big East play, because for the most part, they came up short in those uh, high profile mm-hmm. games in the non conference. So, starting to think a little bit more about seeding as we approach the end of the calendar, New Year, and uh, get into conference play full-time, that's certainly going to be a concern for Jay Wright. So more of those uh, strong performances in quad one games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Villanova is very fortunate that the Big East is good this year, Yeah. because if it was what people had anticipated, it would be them and UConn with maybe a couple middling teams and then nothing else. And they would I mean, they get the benefit of the doubt because they're Villanova, but really, how battle-tested would they be?
0: Presumably not very, or at least not with wins to show for it. Right. Um, so we'll see. Still still feels a little bit like their conference to lose, but the, the waters have been noticeably muddied in the non conference.
1: Yeah, it's it'll be tight. I uh I can't say like I can't say confidently that it's not their conference to lose because it has been since the realignment but this this version of villanova just looks so so there like ripe for the picking like they look like any any one of those middle five or six teams on a good night can pick them off
0: yeah that's that's probably a fair assessment um not quite on the uh, the Kansas and the Big Twelve um, level of of reverence when we need to talk about right. them, but somebody's got to go out and pick them off. Exactly. See, see who that can be. Um, not much this week in terms of uh, football discussion. I mean, Bryce Young won the Heisman. We all kind of thought that was coming. Um, more interestingly, though, Dan Lanning, Georgia defensive coordinator, architect of this all-time dominant defense, is going to take the head coaching job at Oregon. Um, interesting decision from a, uh, a program that has normally had more of an offensive approach to the football program. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. recently in some of its more successful years, instead hiring the 35-year-old first time as a head coach. Um, but been very successful in the NCC the uh, the toughest college very co- toughest conference in college football as people will tell you um, so seems like the most qualified uh, coordinator for the job um, at this point in, in terms of who's available maybe you could argue about uh, taking a swing at some some bigger name head coaches like maybe bringing chip Kelly home but I don't think if you're an Oregon fan, there's there's really anything to be upset about here.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm almost even surprised, too, that Justin Wilcox didn't get a, a little further look because he's done so well at Cal and kind of seemingly the same identity, defense first kind of guy. Um, but yeah, I, I look, Pac-12 is in a, a reformation at this point. They are turning seemingly more defensive, much like the Big 12 is seeming to do as well. Um, and, and I think if you can get ahead of the pack there and really just play solid defense, as we saw with Oklahoma state, even if the rest of the conference isn't there yet, um, or focus more on the offensive end, you can win games and you can get to your conference championship game. And like the PAC 12 North isn't scary. I think is the best way to put it. Washington is a shell of itself. Washington state is kind of a mess. Uh, Stanford, is confusing is the best way to put them. Cal still is struggling. Um, like they, it is available. Oregon State is, is there. Um, they can win a few games, but they're they're really not going to compete for the title. Um, so th- this is the chance to kind of put your stamp on what that division in the conference should look like, and then go ahead and just win it.
0: Yeah, interestingly enough, they allegedly offered it to. Wilcox and he turned him down uh, before they went to Lanning, but I was always kind of questioning uh, Wilcox being in head coaching discussions in the first place because he's really only had one good season at Cal and then he kind of seems Mm -hmm. like last few seasons been kind of in the Fuente at Virginia Tech role where every preseason you're like, hey, this could be a sleeper, keep an eye on Cal and then it's underwhelming. Um so a little surprised you he's both kind of in consideration and had the opportunity to go to somewhere that cares a lot more about football and uh thought better of it. But I don't know. I I think I think this turns out a little uh a little better for for Oregon getting landing.
1: Yeah, I mean t- time will obviously tell, but I uh I think Wilcox could've done could have done a good job over there.
0: Yeah, so Eugene Boy played for the Ducks, but yeah, just wasn't wasn't feeling it. Shocking. Well, good thing they are division rivals. I'm sure that will never come up. That is uh that is it from us this week. We are going to be uh pretty basketball heavy the rest of the academic year, um, so going to be a lot more like this until we get to the heart of uh, bowl season with the New Year Six and the college football playoff. Um, no more spread option, unfortunately, for for the college edition for the time being. Um, had a had an okay end of the season, but uh, it's just probably good that it ended. Where it did, because um, momentum was was falling off the train quickly. Uh, but we'll have this show every week, um, so keep joining us, and we will see you back here next week.